Aperture Priority, show number seven, Planning for Trips. Welcome to the Aperture Priority Podcast, an Avila Studios production where it's all about photography and fun. Now open up that aperture and let some creative light in. Show number seven of uh, Aperture Priority. I'm Tony Avila, your host again, and I got my friend Joe Engelbrecht. Very good. You know, <laughs> you'll have that down soon, I'm sure. It's good to be here, Tony. Uh, good, good to have you back. Uh, you been working on any fun new projects or anything? Well, you know, I've been working on uh, taking pictures of uh, cars, old cars in the 40s and 50s and 60s, but mostly the 50s. Uh, and turning them into works of art. I've really enjoyed that. And so I've been hitting up some car shows and I've been doing some work along those lines. And that's been a lot of fun. And, you know, you make calendars out of them and you make uh, tote bags or whatever. But it's, it's a little commercial, I understand. But it is a lot of fun to hang out with those guys, those gearheads. <laughs> yes, I know some of them. And uh, I wonder why sometimes uh, they're still married. <laughs> I, well, you know, I, you could point at uh, photographers and say, that's true. you know, that's why I don't have an addiction problem because I can't afford it. Yes. Uh, well, uh, today I thought we would jump right into our show. And the topic is uh, planning for trips. And uh, this is kind of an interest uh, to me in two ways. Uh, there are a couple of big trips I'm planning here. I'm going to be just shooting in California for a show later. I do this year up in Fresno, uh, California, but, uh, kind of how I plan is a little different versus I know you, you'll be traveling this year uh, right. abroad right? and kind of give people kind of a different perspective of how, you know, like me just traveling a few hundred miles, you know, up the road here in California is from going overseas. Mm-hmm. Big difference. Uh, it, it really is takes a lot of planning to do what everything you want to do and be safe and to get the images that you want. Uh, and I, I've had many trips uh, into some third world countries and Europe. And believe me, Europe is is can be a challenge. Uh, there's always a language barrier and there's a cultural barrier, and you can offend people with a camera, and you have to be aware of all those things. So it really starts with the concept of what do I, what, how do I want to travel? What am I trying to do? What type of images am I looking for? And I really came across my own uh, style of travel. I have traveled alone many times, and I've traveled with uh, other, other people. And on occasion, I've traveled with a group. And as a photographer, unless you're traveling with a group of photographers, it's challenging to travel with uh, non-photographers. We've talked about this in the past many times about, you know, the the hurry up and wait. Uh, how long does it take you to take a picture anyway kind of uh, traveler? But uh, traveling by myself, I I stumbled across or I came across a way of traveling that really works for me. And that is uh, I find locals in the country that I'm going to. And talk to them about uh, guiding me, or at least hosting me, 
And the, the way that I broke into this idea was I started going to language schools. And I went to uh, Guatemala the, the very first time to learn Spanish and brush up on my Spanish. And I went down there two weeks, three weeks, something like that. And I went to language school. But I learned once I was there and I, I got to know the the proprietors and the teachers and my host family and had a, had a wonderful, wonderful experience that uh, that is an ideal way to travel and spend a couple days or a week or even two weeks in a country that you don't know anything about. And these language schools are all over the place and you don't have to study the language. That's the big secret. You can go down there and for a literally a couple hundred bucks a, a week, you can get room and board uh, and you can get a tour guide and they'll take you on excursions all over the local area. And so once I figured that out, where the lights came on and, and the subsequent years that I went back to uh, Guatemala for Spanish school. Yeah, <laughs> I studied some Spanish. Yeah, that's true. I did. But I went on a lot of excursions and tours and I developed some good friendships. And, uh, and I, I would go back and I'm, I am going back and I'll take people with me. But it all started because I knew somebody in country. So how can you duplicate that experience now if you want to travel to a country that you've never been to and you don't know anybody? And the, this World Wide Web thing that we have going on, there's some answers there and some challenges. Exactly. And in fact, uh, you know, this crowdsource is idea like uh, Airbnb and, and Lyft and Uber. And that can be extended and has been extended to local guides. And so there's a number of websites now that offer local guides across uh, across the world one one is uh, www.shootmytravel.com now i don't know anything about them frankly i've never used them and i will tell you that these travel sites are notoriously problematic for staying in business I, when I was doing some research for this, I found half a dozen links that were, they're gone. They, they were there last year, but they're not, they're not here now. So these, this is a new part of the industry and I would not plan my trip of a lifetime on a website, but it's a good place to make the contacts if they're up and running and they do provide some kind of security like an Airbnb. Uh, and Airbnb is a good way to travel to the foreign countries. Uh, and that so that's that's where I would start today, you know, a language school or some kind of planned activity where I got to know people in the country, make friends, smile a lot and, you know, pick up after yourself and become a you know responsible <laughs> contributor to their to their lifestyle. Uh, and then you, you get to meet those friendships. And that's where it started for me. Yes. I, I would not go out of country with uh, on a photography journey. I would not go out of country without that backup, that circle of support. That's good. That's good to hear. And, uh, and I'm going to be picking your brain a lot here because uh, how I travel, a lot of my excursions are either a long day excursion or, or I stay overnight somewhere. Uh, and I've been mainly traveling just here in California. People forget uh, we do have a pretty big state. Mm. Yeah. But if I were, uh, let me ask you this, is it, is it a good idea 
like uh, I potentially down the road, there's certain areas that, that I would like to go and, and photograph in the world. Uh, Machu Picchu down in mm. uh, Peru. Peru. Mm-hmm. Uh, would it be a good idea uh, for me to send my gear, mail it ahead of time or just uh, try to get enough in, in your uh, backpack and all your gear and just take it with you in the plane and store it there where you can see? Or, as, you know, what, what, what would your your experience and uh be on this i i've done i've done that where i've tried to ins- anticipate my needs and i sent my future self a care package and never arrived oh. and uh the second time or the first time i did it it took uh two and a half months to arrive so the postal service once you get outside the u.s is there's very few countries that have a postal service like the united states I have mailed things to Europe or to Central America, and it has taken weeks and weeks and weeks. In fact, every trip I've ever taken, if I if I send even a first class uh, postcard, I always get back before the postcard gets back from my trip. Two or three weeks later, it's still out there. So that sounds good in theory. And the reverse might be true, is that once you get there and you want to pack some stuff, uh, and I've done that, and that's how I would do it. Is is oddly enough, I'll pack my clothes, my my laundry in that bag because I've bought some goodies or something, souvenirs, whatever, and I'll ship my clothes. Which, and or more likely, I give my clothes away, and I come back literally with just the clothes on my back and one one change. I've done that many times. Um, now I'm a tall guy, so. I, I in Guatemala, you know, all all the tall people come up to my waist, and <laughs> whenever I get on the public transportation, and my head hits the ceiling because you know, if you've ever wondered where old school buses go to die, it's in Guatemala, <laughs> and so they they send all these bluebird, you know, such and such United uh, Unified School District bus down to Guatemala City or Quetzaltenango or Huehuetenango, and and they buy them and they they they. They deck them out. They paint them in these outrageous color schemes that put really cool stereos on them. And they fix up the, the exterior with chrome and they put incredibly powerful diesel engines in them. But they still have the fifth grade seats in them. So I'm in these seats with my <laughs> knees literally in my chest. And we're barreling down the road, you know, doing 70 miles an hour. And, and you're just wondering if you're going to make it. Well, the point is, is that if you if you're traveling and you want to travel light, and I want to give away my clothes at the end of the day, there's nobody there that can wear my my jeans, you know, and because I mean they're as tall as they are, <laughs> so that has its limitations too. That's interesting. Yeah, that's 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 a good point to to know because somebody may think, hey, I'll just mail my gear. No problem. And they probably forget because you're right. We do get probably a little spoiled here in the United States yeah. and we don't, for, we forget what we have. Right. The things, you know, the things that are critical to you and your gear, uh, medications, by the way, if you're traveling overseas and this isn't strictly uh, phot- photographic, but if you're traveling overseas and you bring any kind of medication, make sure it's in the original container with the prescription, I mean, with the, with the labels on it. Because when you go through customs, it gets kind of funky out there. Uh, I, and there's some trips, uh, tips I'll talk about in a moment 
but uh, it, I I would never advise anyone to ship themselves anything that was critical to the success of the trip. If it's presents or toys or gifts, and you could do without or or, or replicate them at your destination, great. The reverse is also true. You can ship back some of the stuff that it's not critical, but anything that's important to you or critical to you, you need to keep on your on your body at all times. That's good. That's good advice. Now, another uh, uh, question I have for you. In in my perspective, when I do my day trip, you know, even if I go overnight, you know, I have my cards. You know, no problem. I shoot, change, put them back in the bag. Well, I'm coming straight back home. Yeah. But if you're in Guatemala or Peru or Europe somewhere, or right. Far East, it doesn't matter. You're, you're going to be there a while. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, as you shoot, do you take something you back up to? Right. Uh, I have, I carry a, a bag, a camera bag, and I put a laptop in it with an external hard drive. And I transfer those SD card images to the laptop and to the external hard drive. And unless I'm really pressed for uh, extra SD cards, I, I keep the SD cards with the, with the images still on them. I flip a little uh, tab on the sides, the right protect, so that I can't accidentally use it again. Uh, the SD cards are, are small. They're relatively inexpensive. But, well, relative is a relative term, of course, <laughs> because some of these newer, the XD cards are for the, like the Nikon 850, those things are running a hundred bucks or more for the larger sizes. So I get it. But in, in the long run, that they're relatively, and, and compared to the price of the cameras, they're definitely relatively inexpensive. So you can buy eight or nine or 10 of those things. But invariably I have run into the problem where I think I've, I, you know, I can't imagine in my wildest dreams that I could possibly fill up 12, 128 or 64 gigabyte SD cards. And four days into my trip, I'm halfway through and I go, Oh my goodness. What do I do? Well, that's where that laptop and, and uh, external hard drive come in because I, I have that peace of mind knowing that I can shoot as much as I need to without worrying about running out of uh, real estate on those SD cards. Have you, have you ever had trouble or worried about uh, taking that external uh, drive or if it goes through, let's say, you know, when you go through your air, the airport, they go through that thing that scans. Oh, the x-ray. You know, uh, that used to be a concern for film, and it still is for higher uh, ISO film, but not not, not a problem. Not a not problem. A problem no. That's good to know, because yeah. that would be my fear, you know. Right. It's like, uh-oh, it just went through that, that red line crossed over. It's like, <laughs> what happened to the well, yeah, information? Under, still there, is it right? all yeah. scrambled? I've done it dozens and dozens and hundreds of times and never had a problem. Oh, that's good to know. That's good to know. Because like I said, my typical plan is like, for instance, uh, I've been talking about this night photography. Mm-hmm. Well, I will go and uh, there's there's one project that, that I want to do. I will look for, uh, and there's an app and there's, there's, a, there's a couple of them. I think one's called... Uh, light pollution the other one's called dark skies you, you I, could find them i have those apps yes oh yes and they're wonderful yes right so let's say i'm i, I want to travel up north mm-hmm. you could find the areas that are complete 
darkness. And for people who don't live in California, even though uh, I live here in a small town, when I was shooting at the infamous Yokel Valley one day, <laughs> uh, actually night, I'm out there shooting. And, uh, you know, I found the Milky Way and the sky pointed the camera set up, did my comp- composition and everything. And I did my 20 second exposure. Mm-hmm. And then when I played it back, it was like, what's that yellowish orange rim well, on those like hills? Yeah. And then I realized that's the city lights from Exeter, mm-hmm. even though Exeter is not a big city. Well, you know, yeah, Exeter has a population of uh, 10,000 people. In some states, that would be a big city, by yeah. the way. We yeah. are uh, spoiled here in California yeah. about that. And so it's hard. And there are parts where you can find the complete darkness. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, these are great apps. And I think they even show you a satellite view of mm-hmm. areas where you can right. go. So that's kind of important because you kind of, if you're looking for a complete darkness and also knowing when the moon cycle is, you right. know the faces of the moon and where it's going to rise, where it's going to set. And those are incredible apps and every photographer should have, have that if they're interested in in night photography, the, you and I are blessed to live in a community, not on the doorsteps of the Sequoia national park, Kings Canyon national park, and just another little drive down the road. We're in Yosemite national park, but uh, Kings Canyon and Sequoia National Parks have some real good opportunities for that nighttime photography. It's just a little tough to get up because it's 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 a windy, narrow, two lane road under construction yep. at times, and and it's just you know you it but it is the price you pay for getting there. And and but let me tell you, the extra mile is rarely crowded. Yeah, and another uh, app I wanted to bring up. There's some. Not any particular name. They're the Milky Way apps. Hmm. So what's cool about them on your, you get them for your Android or iPhone. Mm-hmm. And, but there's a little catch to it. You point it up to the sky and it will tell you uh, two different things. What time to anticipate where the Milky Way would be. And it gives you all this neat information. The, the little trick is, I mean, it's a really cool app. If you're somewhere where you have no cell service, which uh, Yoko Valley has zero, uh, you, right. you could take that app out there and, and no one has service, so it doesn't do you any good. Right. But it, you kind of get the information beforehand and knowing. And I was lucky that a friend of mine, Ivan, knows a lot of this. Uh, so uh, once he goes, yeah, it should be here. And, you know, like, okay, I'm looking at a sky. And it's like, and then all of a sudden... It's weird that you start staring and then you actually see the Milky Way faintly. Yes. And so I've learned that way too. So you kind of have to, again, you don't have cell service. Okay. But if you plan ahead and get the information, get, okay, at this time, it should be at this point of the sky. Right. Well, that's the, that's the secret of traveling is, is planning and whether it's in country or, or out of country. Planning and knowing what you want, what you want to, what you want to uh, accomplish, or what, what images you want to acquire, and then that helps you pack accordingly. Because once you get there, especially when you're traveling outside of uh, Asia or Europe, if you're traveling in 
Central America or South America in the rural parts, you're probably not going to find a camera store that will will help you uh, with some kind of equipment. You you really lug it in. You have to and you have to bring it. And that goes for everything. I mean, for example, um, what type of clothing you should take and how much clothing you should take because it, you know then the airline and the airlines are changing their rules all the time. Every time I go out of country now. Uh, some airline has changed some facet of the regulations. For example, I was uh, in Mexico City, and I was just I was just exchanging airlines. I was flying in from uh, I was flying Aero Mexico, and I was I had a carry on in my my messenger camera bag, which is I have a carry on uh, luggage, and I stack my messenger bag on top of it, and I wheel my way through the airports. It's really easy and fast and convenient. And I don't have to check any luggage. But uh, I got to the gate. And for the very first time I've ever seen, they were weighing the carry-on luggage. Mm-hmm. And I went, there's no way my luggage is going to weigh mm-hmm. under the 25 kilograms that they wanted. And so they, I put my uh, suitcase on the scales. And they shook their head no. And they wanted their extra pesos. And I said, on a momento, por favor. And I went over and I sat down and I ripped up all that stuff. And I, 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 I travel with a Scotty vest, by the way, which is another huge uh, convenience. And so I had, I just stuffed all those books and pamphlets because I had a lot of books when I was going to language school. I had dictionaries and, <laughs> and I, I just loaded myself up. So, you know, and I just transferred the weight from the suitcase to my body. And they, they stood there and watched me do it and they just smiled and I, and they just waved me through. But I had, that's something that I didn't know. And it really pays to, to plan ahead because the next time they may not want, they may not let me exactly. pull it out. Exactly. And I may be delayed. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's, that's stuff. I, I do dread now. Uh, the last time I flew is pre nine 11 and it was a different world. Oh, where, totally different. Where you could, it was just like, gee, you know, <laughs> right. yeah. this is security. Uh, and, no, and, and I and I always worried about some of the new uh, security, the screening, if if it damages the electronics of things. But apparently, no. so far, it's so good. So that yeah. that's good to know right. that you right. know. But uh, other things I do, like when I plan, you right. Uh, for instance, there was a time when we were doing the night shots, and it was uh, February here, which February is kind of our coldest month. And the peak time to be out there was between, I think at that time, 11 and 1. Mm-hmm. 11 and 1 in the morning. Yeah, we're out in Yoko Valley. It was cold. Mm, yeah, it's it, in the 20s. Isn't yeah. It? yeah. So, you know. For, uh, you know and most, that's Fahrenheit, by yeah, the way. Yeah. Most people, I have a friend who's from back east. He goes, you call this cold? <laughs> right. Yeah, for us Californians, that yeah, is it's cold. A, it's relative, right. So my, you, my, my friends in Montana say, oh, it was, it was 29. Oh, you poor thing. <laughs> So yeah, you make sure you you get you cover up. And another thing is uh, take take little things to put over your uh, lenses because you're, it's building that condensation. Yes, yes, true. You got to take care of your your gear. So uh, let me just run through what goes through my mind when I'm preparing for a, a large trip, a cross country trip. When I have to fly, uh, it starts with knowing what I want to accomplish when I get there, or at least having an idea and packing my gear accordingly. And I'm a big fan of uh, a couple of travel uh, f- sites for, for uh, flights. One is uh, kayak dot, 
booking.com. And the other one is booking.com. They, they search all the other sites and they search the airline sites. Uh, there's a couple of, of exceptions. If you're a Southwest uh, Airlines uh, aficionado, you'll need to search it on their particular site. And it's a great tool to plan everything, you the, the departure time, the cost, the arrival time, the number of stops, everything. You can. It's very flexible and you can do a lot of planning and what-if scenarios and to your heart's content. And I've, I've uh, listened to and researched all the travel guru insights like, oh, it's best if you wait uh, 54 days before your departure, estimated departure date. And wait for a Tuesday because that's when the airlines have their best deals. I have found that to be partly true. It's it's certainly worth looking at, but it's the airlines are they listen to the gurus too, and they figure out the same things. So uh, fl- just getting a, a flight, packing for that flight, I I avoid checking bags at, at all costs. Personally, I travel light. And I avoid the, the uh, checking them in because it delays me on both ends. And I, I don't necessarily enjoy hanging out at airports all that much. So I want to get <laughs> in and get out and go on with my business. So everything that uh, I take with me, even to out of country, will be on a carry-on bag and a, and a camera bag. And now, airlines have gotten smart to that. And this last year, United Airlines and American Airlines have what they call the basic economy now and so they shoot a low rate and you go wow that's a pretty good price to fly from here to wherever until you read the fine print it says oh if you carry something on even a purse it's 25 bucks more so you want to look make sure that you do your research on the rules of of uh of booking a flight a lot of airlines will give you uh, a discount on or free check bags or i mean carry on bags now if you use their credit card and, and nah, that's your own decision with how you do that. The second thing is looking at the destination. A big thing is uh, electricity. What type of electricity uh, system do they have in Central America? It's a 110 and it uses standard plugs that we use here in Guatemala, for example, in Europe, it's uh, 220 volts and you want to take an adapter with you or you'll fry your battery chargers or your shaver or your, uh, curling iron if it, if uh, you need to bring one of those. But the biggest tip, like I said earlier in the program, was to hire uh, local guides or, or, or because you will get in places that you can never, ever get to as a tourist if you if you have a someone in country that's helping you out. You'll learn about the culture, about the history. And for me, it's such an enriching part of the travel. If you're like me, the I would much rather travel to a location and spend some time in that one area, soaking up the culture, getting to know the people instead of, uh, and this is not a knock against cruise ships, but the cruise ship model is to, is to get on a bus, drive for half an hour, go through some famous site for 30, 40 minutes or even three or four hours, get it back on the bus, go to the hotel, also known as the cruise ship, drive to the next location, do the whole thing the next day. I can do that. I've done that. It's fine. However, I want, I would prefer to stay in the area for a couple, three or four days, a week or two weeks and really soak up the culture and, and to, to learn about it. And so if that kind of style, then 
you know, laundry facilities are there. So that's why I pack light. I, I can get by with a couple pairs of jeans, for example, uh, two pairs of shoes and a few pairs of socks, all that stuff. And because I, I can laundry, I'm not going to carry all that extra weight if I have a laundry facility available. So to me, electricity, laundry facilities, those are big <laughs> on my list of things that, that I need to have available. Having that local guide uh, available is important too. And so those are the big, the big things for me in terms of getting ready for, uh, and as far as taking the gear, you know, we talked about in previous programs about the travel lenses that you want to take. And that's, that's an entire uh, podcast that we have an earlier show. And that's, that's a, another uh, open invitation for a great debate among photographers about exactly what kind of gear you should take. But this is sort of the, 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 supplemental thoughts that you have to go through to go um uh, and we have we have photographers you and i know colleagues that will hire taxis and they'll spend several hundred dollars oh, yes. <laughs> yes. hiring a taxi to take them to you know literally they'll have a picture on a phone and say can you take me to this place and they'll point to the their phone with the, the image on it and the taxi driver doesn't have to even speak english per se and they'll say yeah i'll take you there and they take them there and and they take their photograph. Well, that that's fine. A little pricey, but, you know, that's fine. And sometimes those taxis can be a little sketchy, you know. That's I've heard some stories about taxi drivers that stop while you're shooting photographs. They're drinking. And by the time the shoot's over, they're, <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to ride with them anymore. So uh, my favorite approach is to find the local and those websites we talked about. And, uh, and then... The language schools, man, I, I I can't tell you how, uh, what a what a find those that has been for me personally. Now let me ask you this too, because uh, I have done this before, but it it always worried me. But that was just here in in the states. Like uh, late last summer, I was up in Sacramento. I was up at uh, God, what's the name of the place? It's uh, it's known to be the haunted place in California. It's uh, it's in Ione. Uh, it's called something, uh, Preston Castle. Oh, okay. Never yeah. been there. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're out and about and I had my camera gear with me, you know, we're out and about. It was, it was even, they say Sacramento doesn't get as hot as Tulare County here is, uh, what, what, one or two Three, degrees? Yeah, two degrees. <laughs> Big difference, huh? It, it was 110 that weekend. Oh my both goodness. days. So I, at night, I left the stuff in the hotel room and here they usually cleaning don't come till the morning but overseas in your opinion is it good to always have your photo gear with you or instead of just leaving it in the uh, hotel the reason i say this and it happened here in the united states a friend of mine he had just the point and shoot digital camera he Mm -hmm. was in pismo beach he Left it there, went to go do his thing all day, came back. Well, he left it out and it it, it disappeared. Grew legs and walked away, yeah. Uh, well, again, I've had that experience. Um, I've had attempted pickpockets. I've had people try to cut open my vest on a crowded chicken booth, trying to worm, oh, worm their hand into my vest because they thought I had something valuable. And what I've learned is that... Um, the only place I've ever lost anything or had something stolen was in a hotel room. 
and the pickpockets, you know, I, I, I had a fanny pack in uh, Barcelona and the gypsies there would, or are, are infamous for being pickpockets. And this particular lady, gypsy lady came up to me and she was begging. She had a big cardboard sign and I had the fanny pack on my stomach and it was a decoy. There was nothing in there except like five euros, a five euro bill and some other stuff. And she stuck that cardboard sign on my fanny pack and she was wailing and pointing to the sign and you know about her tragedy all the while her other hand was unzipping my fanny pack and her fingers were going down there to find nothing but a five-year-old but i i just knew what was going on so i knocked the cardboard sign away and her hand came out and she and she just started apologizing profusely and you know putting her hands and supplicating please please you know and then she took off and ran off but you know the the, the matter of the fact is that How are you going to press charges in a foreign country for a hundred, two hundred, five hundred, even a thousand dollar piece of equipment? Are you going to stick around? I mean, how do you prosecute that? Right. You you, you make a police report, and the, and the oh, how are you? You're not going to go back and testify, or exactly. you're not going to get involved in that. So, my my advice is again, keep it if it's important or critical to mission, keep it on your body at all times. Um. Even in American uh, hotels, because they, it's the same drill. It's not just the cleaning lady. The, the maintenance people have keys to your room. And if they think that you're from out of, out of the country, you become a prime target for theft. So I don't leave anything in the hotel room. And people ask me, what about hotel safes? Okay, that's, that is a notch up. And your insurance company would appreciate if you did that, by the way. And I would, if you have to, that's a choice, but sometimes it won't fit. But uh, be be aware that the maintenance people, they know how to open those safes because yeah. the, you know, many a guest has left the room with the with the combo locked and they have to open it for the next guest. So that's very, very apparent that they know how to do that. Yeah. See, that's, that's the, one of the things I worry about is not looking like a target and, you know, things like that. Because I had a, I have a friend that, she was teaching abroad and while she was living there, the, she thinks it was the maintenance guy ran off. I think she had a Canon 5D, the whole, the whole shebang. Oh no. And you know, and you leave it in your room and it, it disappears. Yeah. Not always you can have this, but I find myself, that would be my uh, worry about that. So you mentioned Scotty Vest. There's another and I can't think of the name. It's a system that you basically mount your camera in front of you. It's it's almost like a uh, like it's kind of like a vest, but you just put your camera down. And so if somebody tries to they can't run off because oh, of right. uh, it's going to pop back on your chest. Right. Yes. And a lot of uh, travel bags have that wire mesh inside the handle mm-hmm. so that they can't cut your bag handle and 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 run with it, which is a common. Uh, technique where people will ride by on bicycles or motorcyclists. It's, it's, you know, it's really being aware of your surroundings. And as a photographer, we, we have that built in radar because we're looking for images. We're looking for the scene. We're looking for exactly. the, the, the shot, right? So we are aware of our surroundings until we put the camera to our eye and then we kind of lose it and we're vulnerable then. And if you ever have a, a chance to travel with somebody, you know, you just take turns. You watch my back, I watch your back. But, you know, I think 
the reality is, is that we overstate the security issue. I, I know that it happens and it hasn't happened to me, but you know, I'm still, I still want to be aware of my surroundings. And there are places in Los Angeles that I will not walk at night. And there's places in, in Guatemala City that I will not walk at night. And there's places in Paris I will not walk at night, but it's just being aware of your surroundings and knowing, uh, where the safe places are. Right. And, and those security issues are, are going to be greatly minimized. Uh, and it's something I, I kind of wanted to bring up. And it's a funny story. It happened uh, last year uh, in early 2017. Uh, my friend Ivan goes, hey, let's go up to Blue Ridge Mountain. I think it's called Blue Ridge. I never had been up there. And we we went up there. It was kind of nice. Uh, it's one of those times that you get that fog bank in the valley that it doesn't raise. So you go up there and you could actually see that cloud cover. Right. And uh, we were going up to this uh, place. It was, it was kind of neat, you know, uh, we're driving along. But then all of a sudden, the icy road. And mm-hmm. he goes, you think we should go on that? I don't know. You look over the edge. We may drop. So it was the whole day uh, we were up there. But it was nice. He knew uh, where to go and everything because he used to work for the forestry department. I see. So, and he knows, hey, when the bears are in hibernation and everything like that. Right. Because we get into some uh, pretty out of the way areas. To give you another example, uh, if you go through Three Rivers, you go up North Fork Road. Right. People don't realize it keeps going and it's not much of a road after a while. And it ends in this little like, it's not like a parking lot, but you could park your car there. You're actually in the park. In the Sequoia National yeah. Park, right? Need area, need area. Uh, some of the people we came across there, I kind of worry more about them than a mountain lion, but they were kind of yeah. out there. Right. But he he knows his stuff. And we crossed this one bridge, maybe a 12-inch board. And we're out and it's like, wow, this is neat. And I was uh, really impressed and we're going through there. And this is why it's important to know your areas. Uh, we were that year we had, it was unusual for California. We had a lot of rain. So there was a lot of washed down debris, logs mm-hmm. and stuff. So we were doing time shots, you know, to get the water blur and the side of the, the little uh, stream while well, he was doing that. And I learned uh, also like sometimes you place your bags down. Uh, watch out where you place them. He goes, oh yeah, there's scorpions here. And I'm like, what? And then he, he knew how to spot them. Cause again, He's worked for the forestry department, so he knows this area well. So I was like, yeah, I don't want to, you know. So after a while, I was getting comfortable, you know, we're all joking around. And then I looked over and there was this uh, damaged uh, tree right by the river. Right. And I start looking and there's a big claw mark on it. And I put my hand over it. It's like, and I have a pretty good size hand. (laughs) It's bigger than my hand. So I looked over and I go, Ivan, bear mountain lion. He goes, I think it's a bear. I felt a little bit safer, but you know, he knows the area. Mm-hmm. I trust him. Right. Would I go by myself somewhere? No, you, sh- you should know your area, do your research. And if you go, it's, it's good to go with another person. Right. So uh, that thing I kind of want to bring up. The other part I kind of want to bring up is sometimes, uh, when we were up at Blue Ridge that day on the way back, uh, we were coming down the road. We were coming back the Yokel Valley Road that you catch through Springville. 
And as we were catching, the sky was finally parting. And I got this neat shot with my Fujifilm camera, you know, my X-T1. And we were right there in Yoko Valley. I composed it right. We were there. Uh, but when he pulled over, he pulled over on the opposite side of the road. We were off the road and we were outside the fence and we were composing, you know, we were there <laughs> with our tripods. A truck pulls up in front of us and I looked at it. It was a big truck and I saw there's lights on it. I thought, uh-oh, it's the sheriff. I wonder he or she's going to say something to us because, you know, we're parked, parked on the wrong side of the road. Yeah. And she, it was a she, she got out and she had a gun. I couldn't tell. I was like, I guess that's a <laughs> sheriff. And she walks up to us and uh, she goes, what are you guys doing? And I would suggest when you look in some kind of law enforcement, don't be a smart aleck. And I just said, oh, we're just, you know, I, I got my camera here on the truck. We're taking pictures. And she goes, oh, okay. Then she told me she was a game warden. Oh. And she goes, well, the reason I ask is we're having trouble with poachers. Mm. And she and she said, the reason I pulled over your friend here and my friend Ivan's, he used to be in the army, so he still wears his camouflage I jacket. I see. And she goes, I saw your friend's jacket and I thought you two might be poachers. Now, we could have been smart, Alex, and said, oh, yeah, we're out here in broad daylight using cameras. And I found, you know, you just let it go. Right. Hey, talk. Oh, yeah, really? You got poachers here? Don't push the envelope because they can make your life uh, Uh, miserable, miserable, you know. So in traveling abroad, I would think the same thing is like don't push the envelope because they can make your life miserable on the other side. Oh, yes. And that's a, a different dimension because uh, you can run into some corrupt uh, situations. And that's where the local guide can save your life and tell you what you should do and how you should react. That, And that's, that's the importance of having that local person on the ground. Absolutely. Great, great. I think this has been a great show of, uh, information because like I said this is something that's going to be on my bucket list just going to Northern California but I would say soon I do plan I, I really would like to go to Machu Picchu and mm. to Peru uh, that's one place I want to go to and I'd love to go to Thailand to explore the the jungle the temples there they're they're, they're like the ancient culture Mm-hmm. So there, these are things that I'm going to have to think about and prepare. So right. I think this has been a great discussion. So let's leave it off for here today. And uh, where can we find you, Joe? You can find me at uh, www.brightangelimages.com. You'll find uh, work of a lot of artists on there and blogs. Also on Facebook, same name, Bright Angel Images. On Instagram, bright angel underscore images and i appreciate you looking us up and if you have any questions or comments uh give us a an email drop us a message and if you're serious about language schools i have a lot of good recommendations for anyone interested in in traveling in that way and you can contact me that way and i'm going to put some of those links on the on the uh, show notes too to some of the sites and things like that i think that'd be great uh, you can find me, of course, at avilastudios.com, uh, tonyavila64.com. Uh, and one day I, I will tell you the, the two different pronunciations of my last name. Uh, 
the funny story behind it, the right way and the way it's said here in the Valley, but uh, also too, by, by the, when this show comes up, I'm hopefully I'll have a Aperture Priority uh, a Facebook page All up. Right. So I'm looking towards that. So uh, thanks again, Joe. And it's, I like to leave off to uh, give my motto is to open up that Aperture and let some creative light in. Priority is an Avila Studios production. For more information on what Avila Studios has to offer, please visit us on the World Wide Web at avilastudios.com.